Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to a new episode of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your host, Dave Elliott, and on this episode, we feature Gears Tactics composer Edward Patrick White. For those of you that haven't played Gears Tactics, it's the latest instalment in the Gears of War franchise, which was released in April on Windows and arrived this November on Xbox One and the new Xbox Series X slash S slash whatever the other new consoles are. Produced by Splash Damage in conjunction with the Coalition, Tactics is something of a break from the norm for the Gears franchise. Not only is it a prequel to the other five outings, but it's also a turn-based tactical strategy game rather than a third-person shooter. In the interview, Edward discusses how he became involved with the game, along with following in the footsteps of the original composer Kevin Riepel, Steve Jablonski, who composed for Gears 2 and 3, and Ramin Jawadi, who composed Gears 4 and 5, along with Game of Thrones, Westworld, and a whole bunch of other huge TV shows as well. As a massive Gears of War fan, Edward took extra care in bringing the score to life and often paid homage to the original sound, referring to the music as his love letter to the fans. Along with scoring Gears Tactics, Edward has provided music for a multitude of TV shows, games, films and commercials, including Bear Grylls' Mission Survive and Bear's Mission With series, Channel 4's Codebreaker, Harry Potter A History of Magic documentary, Discovery's Railroad Alaska, the video game Angels Fall First, and many, many more. If you'd like to hear more behind-the-scenes interviews, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast by searching for Geek Town Radio. This also gives you our weekly Geek Town Radio podcast, which brings you all the latest TV, film, and gaming news. You can also go to the website at geektown.co.uk for your daily news stories and all the latest UK and US TV premiere dates. Here's the interview with Gears Tactics composer Edward Patrick. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Well, 
whereabouts are you? You because uh, I know you've been in London and LA. So which are you stuck in at the moment? At the moment, I'm in London. My family's based here, so I sort of do a bit of bouncing between Los Angeles and London in normal circumstances. But really, for the last eight months, it's just been London because yes, you know, <laughs> well, the situation because gestures to the world. Yes, <laughs> yes, precisely. So have you got a home studio in London then? Yeah. So I mean, years ago I was working in Hoban and then my daughter was born and I was always getting the last train home and arriving home to like a cold plate of food and that didn't work. So I moved home and took on the kind of the master bedroom for a period of time. Right. And our <laughs> second child came along and that became sort of untenable. And I had a company build me a really nice studio space at the bottom of the garden. Oh, nice. Keeps you away from the house as well, which is good. It does. So for example, right now I'm looking across the garden at my two children eating their dinner, but I'm in, in a lovely sort of removed silent situation. <laughs> <laughs> to it. Yes, that's sort of helpful. So I don't know how old your children are, but it does save having kind of little feet wandering in every so often when you're trying to yes. work, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they tend to, I tend to get at least once a day a sort of a, a grabby face of pressed up against the glass. <laughs> Dad, are you in there, Dad? <laughs> Oh, I'm not. No, go away. You can't see me. Paul's blinds down. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I was thinking about getting, it's clear glass, but I was thinking, I should have got frosted glass, really. Yes. Yes. Hide away then. Yes. Oh, dear. Well, I mean, I'm glad you're surviving okay with the lockdown and everything, and uh, which we're apparently about to come out of and go into something else. (laughs) Yeah. To me, it just sounds like a rose by any other name. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We can't call it lockdown because we told everyone that lockdown would finish. So it's it's uh, it's a heavily tiered situation. I don't know. It's weird. Yes, yes, it's very strange. This has been such a weird year. <laughs> It has. It has. Uh, I mean, you know, fortunately, from my perspective, you know, we've had kind of work kind of trundling along in the background. And yeah. thankfully, touch wood, no one that I know seems to, I know a couple of people who've had it, but not really badly. Yeah. Um, so again, you know, I sort of feel very fortunate in that respect. But obviously, there are people who are having a terrible time. So yeah, it's been a very weird year. But uh, anyway, on to your work, as we should probably talk a bit <laughs> about that. Thank um, you. So um, before we get into the uh, Gears tactics, which is the main thing we're on to talk about, uh, do you want to just give a little bit of background? How did you get into the industry in the first place? That's always an interesting question. I mean, uh, it's funny. I was telling a friend of mine that when I was at school, I was doing like an art GCSE and I had images of myself being like the next Stan Winston or Rick Baker. Right. You know, special makeup effects, making yeah. Terminators and werewolves and aliens and things like that. So I always sort of, whatever I was doing, it was always always related to telling some kind of story or movies and I was always I mean I was playing video games back when it was you know on cassette tapes with BBC Micro and, and I, remember, I remember the days yes <laughs> yes you know and, and I would buy well as, as a child I remember getting loads of video games on cassette and it required you to put in a bit of basic code at the beginning hmm. and when I was really young my dad just you know bless his cotton socks couldn't do that and so we took <laughs> so many video games back so to say 
saying this one doesn't work and they'd look at this and say you just haven't put the code in right <laughs> so i was playing really early arcadians and meteors and things like that on, on on those things and and i guess as i get older i was doing art and things like that but i was having piano lessons and i was having guitar lessons i was very fortunate had a very middle class kind of you know, <laughs> upbringing where i was exposed to all kinds of things and in an odd way my love of writing music i was always playing in bands i was always i think you know one of my very early birthdays i literally spent you know my life savings which someone had opened a bank account when i was a baby and you know it had gotten to a reasonable sum of money and i emptied that in one single move by buying a, a korg keyboard um, <laughs> but you know it was uh, and and so i guess over a period of time i decided that i wanted to write music for things and i eventually ended up going to university to do uh, a degree in music and media and that was very useful in the sense that i worked with a composer called martin Butler, who writes very difficult concert music and an opera right. uh, for English National Opera. And so he sort of honed my orchestration and my musical chops. And I literally came out of university kind of going, give me a job, give me a job. And my naivety about how the uh, industry works probably actually served me really well because I was pitching to things that I really had no, I really didn't deserve, I guess, <laughs> um, where I was in my career. But I guess by the age of 22, I'd done my first feature film and it was a proper feature film and got released through Lionsgate. Wow. Um, and I was sort of off doing it as a job. So I just consider myself to be incredibly fortunate, really, because there's there's so many people trying to get into this game. And I always say there's, there's a queue 10 miles long of people who want my job. Yeah. So I just feel incredibly privileged to be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is, when I talk to any composers or anybody in the industry, you know, they have immense amounts of talent, but there is a certain amount of luck that goes with it as oh, well, you know. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, I believe that you sort of, you, you make your own luck. And I've always had a sort of, uh, an internal belief that things would come right for me hmm. um, and I think that goes some way towards it makes it easier to take the knocks because you think oh well the next one yeah you know yeah you need a sort of thick skin when you're doing this sort of stuff I guess yes absolutely so uh, how did you get involved with Gears Tactics because I mean obviously the Gears of War games have been around for quite a while at this point and, and there's been a few composers for those games uh, Kevin Reeple for the original and then Steve Jablotsky for the second and third one and then Ramin Jawali who somewhere between doing Game of Thrones Westworld and everything else managed to do the music for four and five so uh, how did you end up coming to, to this because I mean it's a different sort of game to those as well it is and I think that was probably where I managed to kind of jam my foot in the door in a sense that the game was being developed by the Coalition and Splash Damage and Splash Damage are based in London um, right. so uh, I was able to to go and see those guys. It also helped that one of the art leads on Gears Tactics, a lovely guy called Josh Grafton, who I've known since we were, you know, 12, <laughs> was working on the game. Yeah. And whilst he wasn't able to sort of make me a shoo-in for it, he was able to say, I know this guy and he loves Gears of War. Because I've, I mean, my history with the game, I think at this point, it might be well known in a sense that I was playing the first one in 2007 and destroying my first controller because I was mashing <laughs> the buttons so hard. You know, I, I really have a deep affection for Gears. And so he kind of 
said, look, I know this guy and he absolutely loves gears and he's a composer and, and would you be interested in talking to him? And the, and the guys at Splash Damage took my phone call, basically. <laughs> um, and then I was able to kind of pitch along with everyone else. And I think my history with the franchise and having a sort of deep love of and knowledge of the other scores meant that I was able to kind of distill something that felt quintessentially gears but new. And the fact that it was a new kind of genre for the, it wasn't a third person shooter, it was a turn-based tactical shooter, just, you know, the stars aligned and I was able to get in on the on, on the action. Yeah, I mean, was there a brief from them for it of what they were actually looking for in it and how did you approach the sound that you came up with for it? Well, I mean, again, a lot of those things, because when you, when you think of Gears, you kind of think, oh, I, I, you know, I know like Kevin's work, obviously, and, and, and Steve's work and, and, and Ramin, and there is a kind of a Gears-ness, a Gearsy quality to to everything that you know they've each got their own very distinct unique voices and yet there's something that's quintessentially gears mm. and it's very difficult to articulate but i tend to say it's like someone broke something or the music's gaffer taped together somehow it's to make <laughs> a, there's something broken about it a bit nine inch nails but with an orchestra um, <laughs> yeah and so there's that quality to it the challenge that we had with our game was that it's you know it's it's not a third person shooter that it's turn-based tactical game so there had to be this feeling that you know you're always pushing forwards uh that the, it wasn't as cerebral as chess but it was definitely more cerebral than the original games so we had uh, a, a bit of a challenge there to kind of keep it feeling gears but it's a turn-based tactical game yeah it's also a prequel as well did that factor in in any way to the way you approached the sound for it as well it really did i mean you know from my perspective i felt like you had to almost be able to listen to the gears tactics music and then go and listen to kevin's first score and feel like there was a natural progression mm. so yeah i mean in in that sense but also in the sense that we've got easter eggs sort of lying throughout our score for um you know avid fans of the franchise to kind of find and there are particular moments story beats where I mean, particularly at the at the very end of the game, there's a direct quote from from Gears One, um, right. which felt appropriate to kind of reward fans and also lead it leads you into from a story perspective into the first one. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember I interviewed the guy that did Star Trek Discovery, Jeff Russo, oh. and uh, he he had a similar thing with that in that it was a prequel, so the classic kind of Star Trek da da da. He ended up putting yeah. it at the end of that yeah. intro theme because it yeah. was a prequel yeah. and he wanted it. Sounds like you've gone for a, a similar approach with this, which I think is is quite nice. I, I think, I mean, you know, the Jeff Russo approach, I mean, I know, for example, again, with, as you were saying with Discovery, that there are little Easter eggs and little quotes from yeah. the original Star Trek series that are in there. And I think it helps. You've got kind of a musical DNA that feels common to, you know, fans of it. So yeah. that's really important to get that in there. I'm a big fan of the idea of themes and if someone already solved the puzzle for you absolutely go for it use it yeah no totally i mean there is a you know there's amazing set of, of work across like five different games to choose from as well with some amazing composers so with tactics there's a sort of ongoing story throughout it which leads into 
cutscenes and stuff and then you've got the actual gameplay elements which are the tactical shooter bits so i'm guessing yes. there's sort of two parts to the composing for this because the pre-rendered cutscenes i'm assuming you you write a set piece of music for that whereas the, the other bits are kind of things that have to be able to be pulled apart and pushed back together again that's exactly right yeah i mean the gameplay element of it is is very interactive and we wanted to have a sense that when you were making cerebral strategic decisions about where you want to put your people and what you want to do with them, that mm. you shouldn't be being bashed over the head with the music. But then at the same time, the music needed to, when you actually trigger those strategies, needed to be able to scale up so that it feels like it's still combat. Yeah. Um, you know, so that music is all very, very interactive. And, and as you say, had to be kind of written in such a way that it could be deconstructed and put back together and still work in whatever way the computer decides to kind of do it. It. And then, yes, exactly right. The scoring of the story element of it, the cutscenes, is, is literally like scoring a movie. Yeah. Is it weird when you hear the final thing for the gameplay elements? Because I guess you don't have that much control over exactly how that goes back together. So when you hear that, what the sort of game engine has done with the music, do you come across bits that you're like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't think it would work like that. Or do you have more overall control over it than that? No, there's absolutely that experience. I mean, I think the first time that I delivered some stems for the audio team to kind of get in and start playing around with and then I was very fortunate that I could go in and play the game they set up a little workstation for me so I would go in on a fairly frequent basis and play the game and as I was playing the game I was kind of listening to the music and I was like I know this is me but it's not me but it is me it was, <laughs> very, it was a very weird experience and yet one that you kind of find quite commonly in, in writing video game music yeah because you've done TV and you've done film as well do you have a preference for one or the other or is it is it just sort of you know anything as long as you like the project again i mean i really feel very fortunate there are composers who only do movies there are composers who only do tv commercials and people who only do video games and from my perspective i've just been really fortunate in that i've had a, i've been able to have a crack at everything and you know it's like I, I did a commercial with robert de niro and and the requirements of commercials are very very different from a video game or a feature film or or, you know, so it is different flavors of the same work. They all have different disciplines to them. And for me, what I've found is it's a virtuous kind of circle in the sense that uh, I'm, I'm able to bring things that I learned from video games about the interactive side. I can bring in and if I'm doing TV and it's a very quick turnaround, you start to implement some of those strategies so that as the cut for a TV show is changing very frequently in a short period of time, mm. you're able to bring in some of the uh, strategies that you would use for a video game in terms of preparing more interactive stems that you can then change as the cut for the TV thing changes. So it's a virtuous circle for me. Yeah. Uh, and I just feel very fortunate to be able to work across all of them. Yeah, no, that's very good. Did you get a chance to record live orchestra for, for tactics or is it all done with computer generated stuff? So again, you know, so referring back to the situation with the, the interactive nature of it, some of that stuff as well would just be so hideously expensive to go and record yeah. with a real orchestra that you really benefit from keeping it all in the computer so to speak 
And then from a sound design kind of perspective, I mean, I, I, I'll draft anyone that's kind of walking past my studio and my, my daughter, <laughs> bless her cotton socks, will bring me a cup of tea or something. And I'll be like, can you just sing me whatever you want to sing me? And then I'll take those vocals and I'll stretch them and I'll granulate them and I'll reverse them and I'll process them and, and basically corrupt them inside the machine. <laughs> and so they're live recorded elements. I played an awful lot of guitars on Gears Tactics, but you would never hear it as guitar. It's a it's a weird sort of organic I'm sure probably a lot of people would think it's it's a, a purely synthetic element but a lot of these things start out organically so it's a, it's a mix of, of um, strategies to get where you want to be yeah are you one of these composers that collects strange instruments and strange sounds and stuff to use on I, I know a lot of the sound designers when they're out they'll kind of always carry tape recorders with them just in case they kind of happen to come across something which is an interesting sound I know some of the composers will do the same if they're dealing quite a lot with sampling and stuff. And I've spoken to a lot of guys that will just collect just strange instruments that they find from around the world. I just wondered if there was any of that sort of stuff going on. Less from, a, from an instrument perspective. I mean, I've got a couple of like analog keyboards. As I say, I'm a guitarist, so I tend to, you know, I'm a big fan of Sir guitars and Strandberg guitars, um, just because I think they make absolutely fabulous instruments. Yeah. But there's no weird instruments per se, but I do take my field recorder. I do. I mean, like one of my favorite sounds that I created recently was we have a robotic bin. Um, <laughs> the top of the bin opens. You literally just wave your hand and it opens. So the right, idea yeah. being that you don't have to handle the bin if you don't want to handle the bin. And it makes a really cool noise. So I recorded that and I granulated it. And it's just, you know, you'd never, it's like hunting for gold. You sort of record sounds and then take them and process them. And you have a vision of what you're hoping you'll find. You never get that, but you always find something that you never could have imagined that you would find. So yes, I, I go on the hunt for sound. But I consider myself a bit of a soundsmith in that regard. Yeah, it's always fun. There was a composer I was talking to who worked on a children's show and one of the animated things had like knife claw things on the front of it and right. his partner came into the room and went, where are all the scissors? And he was like, um, stood in front of a microphone with like five pairs of scissors in front of it, which he'd been using for it. That's absolutely right. My wife recently asked me why I was holding on to the vacuum cleaner for dear life in my <laughs> writing room and I was like I'm, I'm using it I'm recording it I'm sorry you know I'll bring it back <laughs> Um, yeah, so, you know, yeah, there, there, are, there are often strange things. I mean, I, I love recording kind of more machines are good, but then also the, the more organic things. My kids tend to get drafted quite a lot. We got a cat recently. I'm sure the cat will get you know, drafted. <laughs> it's great when you can find things like that, though. They make really interesting noises. So out of all the stuff you've done, not necessarily just on tactics, but the TV shows and stuff, uh, do you have one memorable moment of something you're doing that really stuck out of maybe an event that you went to or you know somebody that you stumbled across or is there a particular moment that sticks out in your memory you know I, I think I think you can find those little golden nuggets I mean this I, I'm very as I say I feel like incredibly fortunate in the sense that I've had my music played by like 80 piece orchestras and chamber orchestras and I've made it myself with my family and, and, and my kids and stuff I think there was a nice thing that happened where particularly with 
TV commercials. Uh, you know, the Robert De Niro thing was quite nice because I grew up loving movies and watching things like Deer Hunter and never really ever thinking that I would have the opportunity to lampoon Robert De Niro in Goodfellas <laughs> for a Warburton's commercial. That was quite good fun. Um, and, you know, similarly, Gears. I mean, really, Gears would be the zenith, if you like, if you're going to pick one. Because yeah. in 2007, I just bought my first flat. I didn't have any money for any furniture. And I was sitting on a deck chair being attacked by a cat who we don't have anymore because he's, he's passed away. But, um, but he was a little kitten. He was attacking the underside of the deck chair. And I had my Xbox 360 and I had my limited edition Gears 3 controller at a later point. But yeah, I, I mean, just, you know, the idea that I would have the opportunity to play around in the Gears universe was bonkers. Yeah. I mean, I never would have, I never would have believed that. If you'd said in, you know, a number of years, that's what you'll be doing. I would have said, get out of here. You know, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not only uh, Robert De Niro. I noticed the first thing on your IMDb page when I scrolled to the bottom, which is always a fun thing to do, the Guinness Just a Nightmare ad, which was with Rutger Hauer, that one. Right. I mean, you know, so, so like, I've, I've been doing stuff a long time and it's like people sort of say, well, what's your favorite thing? And so, well, you know, um, I, you know, the first feature film that I did had Paris Hilton in it. It was, you know, <laughs> it was, it was what it was. But I had this opportunity to write music for a film that was shot on film that was cut on film we got to do some stuff with, with Campbell Askew who'd, who'd uh, done you know he was the sound designer for Band of Brothers and Event Horizon and just like this incredible it was shot by Robin Vigian who shot Hellraiser I mean you know for me if I, if I think about my whole career there's like I've, I've done stuff with Andrew Lloyd Webber it's it bonkers actually when I when I think about it and as I say you know it's um, I just feel incredibly fortunate yeah there's some great things in that and working with Bell Grylls as well of course you've done a couple of his shows as well I have, yeah. I mean, more, more than one or two. And the thing about the Bear Grylls stuff is that there's that he's like a boy's own adventure, basically. <laughs> you know, kind of like jump out of a helicopter wearing a parachute and then go and eat some horrible thing and drink his own wee and all of that. <laughs> so, you know, it's like he's a, he's a he's a crazy person, but there's something very old fashioned and boy's own about it. And I grew up reading Biggles books, so I love yeah. all of that. Stuff. Amazing. Well, I'm going to let you go, but a couple of final questions for you. First of all, do you know what you're doing next? I, I imagine if it's video game stuff, it's all NDA'd, so you probably can't talk about it. Anything that you would like to mention that you can talk about? Yeah, again, NDA'd on most of the video game stuff, but there's exciting things happening, I can say that. Yeah. Um, and then I'm actually working with a bunch of filmmakers on developing a live-action feature film, which is sort of set in the Second World War, and it's oh, cool. a murder mystery, and, and I'm actually a producer on that as well. So oh, wow. uh, it's sort of spread, spreading my wings. Awesome. Oh, well, that sounds fun. Good. Yes, when we're allowed to actually go and shoot it, we'll go and shoot it. <laughs> well, yes, there is that at the moment. So last couple of questions. And the website, we cover a lot of TV shows. So they're always two TV-related questions. So the first one is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Doing the Undoing um, yes. with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant, mm -hmm. which is very good. Just finished The Queen's Gambit, which is excellent. Go and watch that on Netflix. It's yes, amazing. everybody tells um, me that's amazing. Yeah, I haven't finished it yet, but yeah. Yes, I've watched a bit of it. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I love Billions. I can I can watch that show, oh, yeah. like, literally on loop all yeah. day, every day. No. <laughs> it's a great show. Fantastic show, yes. And if you had the opportunity to work on one TV series, can be something from the past, something present, or some sort of future genre, and it can't be something you've 
already worked on, what show would it be? I've got a good friend who's working on The Mandalorian. And well, I there would, you go. <laughs> I, yeah, if Ludwig doesn't want that anymore, I'm happy to jump in. <laughs> Alternatively, if there are any other Star Wars shows going, Dave Filoni, if you're listening, I'll take them. Yes, sure, you wouldn't be the only one. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who want to battle Ludwig for that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, the thing about Star Wars that's really interesting is that we all love and revere the John Williams stuff. And when you think about people like John Powell with the solo Star Wars story and and Ludwig, what they've really managed to do is actually break new ground for the Star Wars music. Ludwig's score for that is absolutely phenomenal. And he does such a good job. And it's so interesting and so different, but fits so well. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of homage to the the Indiana Jones scores in there, but also so he, he brings his kind of his, his rocky pedigree with him as well the Creed <laughs> stuff and such fluency with electronics I'm a big fan yeah it's a phenomenal score for that and I'm sure they will make some more Star Wars things over the next few years I'm sure so maybe you can wrestle one or two of them away from Ludwig <laughs> yes yeah 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 or Gordy Hab is, is another one who's who's making amazing Star Wars music yeah but you know you know the guy you've got a little bit of it in there maybe you can help yeah. out a little <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll let you go. It's been lovely talking to you. I really enjoy the game and uh, I love the music in the game as well. It's fantastic. So uh, hopefully we'll get to talk again maybe when one of the next either video game projects or this film comes out. That will be nice. Awesome. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Enjoy the rest of the lockdown. <laughs> and yeah. Just, uh, hopefully we'll speak again. Take care. Thank you so much. Appreciate right. it. See you. Bye. Bye-bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.